Hello, First Church family. I'm so glad you could join us this weekend or whenever you are watching this. Uh, I do miss being here at the church with you, but I'm really thankful for the technology that still allows us to worship together. I don't know about you, but I think the weather lately has definitely helped to boost my spirits a little bit. Um, I have been reacquainted with sunburn, large insects, and hay fever, but that all means that we have sunshine and warmth and new life. I love spring and summer. I sometimes feel like I can handle anything that comes my way if it isn't minus 30 outside. To me, the season of spring also reminds me of God's promises. Just as every year the snow melts and the flowers bloom, God is faithful. We see God's faithfulness in Good Friday and Easter Sunday when Jesus died and rose again to bear the sins of the world, just as he said he would. And now we are in a time when the early church was waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. He did at Pentecost, just as he said he would. God is faithful. I'd like to read to you this morning from Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord, and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. God has promised us so many things. He has said that as believers we are forgiven through his son Jesus. That promise has come true. He says that he will fight for us. He will give strength to the weary. He will comfort the brokenhearted, and he will never leave us. God is still with us now in our loneliness, in our stress, and in our uncertainty. My prayer for us today is that we can know with absolute certainty that God has always and will always keep his promises. God will do what he says. 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, is told by her cousin Elizabeth that she is blessed because she believed that the Lord would do what he said. Luke 1.45 If it is hard for you to lift praise to God or to be thankful, I know I have experienced that. I invite you to ask God to make David's song your song. Ask him to make this passage of thanksgiving the prayer of your own heart, and you will be blessed because of God's promises. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for this new day because we receive your mercies afresh every morning. Thank you that even though it feels like nothing is the same, you haven't changed, God. Your word and your gospel have not changed. Thank you that we are still your church. Right now, I'd like to lift up anyone who needs healing, God. I ask for healing for anyone who is injured or sick and ask for protection for those who are healthy. I also want to pray for anyone struggling right now. I think that we have all felt some stress, some loneliness, or some grief, but some of us are just facing so much and we feel overwhelmed by it all. God, please calm all anxieties and bring comfort to those who need it. Let your presence be felt tangibly in their homes. And I pray specifically this morning for the loved ones of those who lost their lives in the military helicopter crash this week. It's hard to find words, God, to know what to ask for, so let them experience comfort that only you can bring. As Pastor Brian comes to preach your word today, uh, please speak to us, God. Let us have open ears and open hearts to hear your voice. Let us cling to the promises that you have made and to know that you are near. We love you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, church. This is now the eighth Sunday uh, that we have had where we've not been able to uh, gather together uh, in this place in our church facility. Um, the COVID-19 pandemic is what um, observers call a watershed moment in human history. Um, when September 11th happened uh, in the United States, it was a watershed moment for the United States and, and globally to some extent. But there has been nothing that has affected the world globally like this COVID-19 uh, pandemic. We're seeing elderly people uh, who are dying in the tens and even hundreds of thousands um, in nursing homes, people losing jobs, income, businesses, some of which are never going to recover. Uh, the global economic recession uh, that we're in, and now people are using the D word, um, you know, is this going to be a, a depression? Uh, even myself and uh, my wife, we have RRSPs and we got stuff invested uh, uh, in the stock market. And, uh, and so, you know, that goes up and down. Um, medical professionals, uh, and these are the heroes of today, just like the firefighters were on September 11th in New York. Uh, the medical professionals now. And uh, we need to, to pray for them. Uh, they are uh, being deluged right now with human need. 
um, surgeries, heart surgeries, and cancer surgeries are, are being postponed. And my, my wife, Colleen, when she was diagnosed with stage 3 cancer in 1979, uh, we, I just could not uh, get this done quickly enough. And now to have things like that postponed, and it feels like a death sentence to people. Uh, people are losing hope. Uh, some are just falling into despair to the point of suicide. And one of the stories that has really gripped my heart um, and uh, it brings me close to tears is that of uh, Dr. Lorna Breen, a uh, 49-year-old uh, physician. Uh, she was the medical director of the New York Presbyterian Hospital Emergency Department, the medical director. Uh, she treated uh, many, many coronavirus patients, eventually succumbing to COVID-19 herself. She took time off to recover, and then she tried to go back into work because of the need that was there. She just couldn't do it. They sent her back home, and then a little while later, she took her own life. 49-year-old Dr. Lorna Breen succumbed. And this has caused a lot of people to question maybe the existence of God or at least the goodness of God. And so the question is, where are you, God? Where is God during this pandemic? Some people think that because of what's going on in the world right now, that, that God has somehow abandoned us if he exists at all. And so I want to address that question, but I want to begin by just reminding all of us of something I think we know, and that is the Bible tells us that we should expect adversity, adversity in the world, that we should expect suffering. Nowhere in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, does it say that we are immune, not even Christians are immune to suffering in this world. Um, the Apostle Paul said this in Acts 14.22 when he was persecuted for the crime of preaching the gospel. He said, we must go, meaning Christians, must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We have to go through hardships. He promised that. Um, and then John 16.33 where Jesus had, uh, in John 14.15 and 16, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, um, the paraclete, which is sometimes translated as counselor, sometimes as comforter. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes uh, to comfort us, to counsel us. And Jesus says near the end of those three chapters, John 16, 33, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What is Jesus saying there? In this world you have trouble. In me you have peace. So the Bible teaches us that suffering is a part of life in this world. Things like pandemics happen, and we should not expect that they wouldn't happen. Um, but here's what suffering does. We have to recognize that it is part of life, and it is part of life for the believer and the unbeliever. Jesus said that it rains on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Bad things happen to good people. And they also happen to bad people. But Jesus has shown us that what suffering in this world does is it points us towards a kingdom that is yet to come. We look at life in this world, especially now during this pandemic and all the fallout that's occurred as a result of it, and we realize our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the world that is yet to come. And so to the question, if people say to you, where's God in all of this? I have an answer. 
that you can give them. God is among his people. God is in you, and he's in me. He's in his church. God dwells among his people. We are his ambassadors. We are his temple, his house. We are his body. And so we are his mouth. We are his ears. We are his heart. We are his hands and his feet in this world. And so where is God? Where God wants to be is among his people, in his church. And he wants us to go out into our world and be the church. And so when people ask, where is God in this pandemic? I think the answer to that question is we are the answer to that question. We need to show up and be present. And so where do we need to be during this pandemic? And this first answer I'm going to give you might surprise you that I would say this. But the first thing is we need to be self-isolating in our homes. Um, There is an article just recently in Christianity Today, and the article is entitled, titled, Pastors from Europe Tell North America, Get Ready Now. And in this article, one pastor, I believe he's from Italy or Spain, he said this, and and you know how bad the the, uh, um, COVID-19 virus was in those countries. He said this, He said, if I can say anything to you, and he's talking to pastors and Christians, he said, if I can say anything to you, do not, do not abuse the fact that you need to be isolated, especially the pastors. And so I want to address something that's been troubling me for quite some time, and especially during this pandemic. And I want to make this statement. Don't be a conspiracy theorist. Um, there is an article that was published in a leadership, Christian leadership magazine recently, April 15th, and it's entitled on Christians, on Christians spreading Corona conspiracies. And then the subtitle to that article is gullibility is not a spiritual gift. And what's happening is that we're finding conspiracy theorists among the body of Christ In fact, that's where the world now is looking to find conspiracy theorists. They're saying it's those Christians. And and what's happened is um, a lot of Christians today have taken the position, the default position, that that authority figures are not to be trusted, uh, government is not to be trusted, medical professionals are not to be trusted. And you know what? Sometimes they're not to be trusted. But when we take that as our default position, and then we call everything that comes from them fake news then what we are doing is breaking the Eighth Commandment, which is, thou shalt not bear false witness. Christians, we're better than that. And we need to not fall into the trap of responding to unfounded conspiracies. Um, Martin Luther, the great Martin Luther, about 500 years ago, and and this was a man uh, who was filled with courage. Uh, He changed the world forever. Uh, He railed against the excesses and the corruption of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, This man was no coward. Um, And yet, when the bubonic plague swept across Europe, this is what Martin Luther said, and I'm quoting, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us, Then I shall fumigate, purify the air, administer medicine, and take medicine. 
I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus, perchance, inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. But I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely. This is a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. And so as Christians, we should not tempt the Lord by flying in the face and, and floating um, these conspiracy theories. Uh, we need to self-isolate. We shouldn't be showing up on the beaches. We should not be protesting in the streets. And we should not be gathering in our churches like some did on Easter Sunday and even since then. The other thing we need to do besides self-isolating is participate in online virtual communities as much as we can because that's where we can be equipped ourselves to feed ourselves spiritually. A third thing is that we need to be on our feet and in our neighborhoods. We need to be available to be used by God wherever He needs us. Just like Martin Luther said, I'm not going to foolishly put myself at risk or others at risk, but if someone needs me, if there's a person or place that needs me, I will be there. And that's part of the way that Christians have always responded historically. And you got an email this week at our church, uh, not at the church at home email, but at the weekly update that uh, our admin assistant, uh, Kathy Epps, sent out, I think on Thursday, that we have an opportunity to deliver food to the mustard seed. And if you can help the mustard seed, they are really, really strapped right now. They need either financial donations or food donations. So whatever you can do to help would be great. You can talk to Melva Sanguinetti about that. But besides self-isolating, and gathering in virtual communities, and being on our feet in our neighborhoods and helping where we can, we also need to be on our knees in prayer. Um, I have to tell you, uh, right now, the one thing that Christians can do that no one else can do the same way is to pray to our God and our Creator, our Father in Heaven. We can pray. That's the difference that we can make. And when we pray, we not only pray and give, speak words and intercede, but we need to pray and listen to what God wants to tell us during this time. So the question, where is God, doesn't really need a philosophical answer or a theological statement. People aren't looking for that. Um, what people need from us is not words. What they need from us is deeds. People don't care what you and I think, but what they care about is what we do. And so as Christ's body, we need to be His hands and His feet to bring encouragement and hope to people who are lonely uh, and vulnerable and afraid during this pandemic. So how should we respond to everything that's happening in our world right now? How do we understand this? The first thing is we need to realize that suffering and adversity is a test. And it's, first of all, it's a test of our faith. I want to ask you a question. Where do you turn to when the chips are down? Who do you look to? Psalm 121 begins this way. I lift my eyes to the hills. 
Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The psalmist knew that that's where his help was from, was from God. The first place we should look for help and encouragement is God. Sure, we can get help from the government and from other places, but the first thing we must do is pray and seek the Lord. Uh, Psalm 27, the, uh, the, uh, David, King David, uh, talks about his enemies and how his adversaries and his foes and his enemies are attacking him and want to undermine him. And in the midst of that, he says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So David's faith was being tested, but where did he go? He said, in the midst of the testing of my faith, when I'm being persecuted, when I'm suffering, I want to go to the house of God. I want to pray. I want to seek his faith. And that's why the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. People of God have always been tested. Our faith has always been tested. We see that in the story of Joseph, when God had given him his dreams that he would become a great man and a leader of a great nation. Uh, And yet, everything unraveled after God gave that promise, and Joseph had to wait on God's timing. It was a test of his faith. The same thing with David, after he was anointed king by Samuel. And then Saul The current king began to persecute him, and David was fleeing for his life like a refugee. And so it was a test of faith. Um, God also tested the faith of his own people. Israel, when he brought them out of uh, Egypt, uh, the Exodus, and brought them through the desert, through the wilderness, and they had to trust him in real time for his provision. Uh, Manna from heaven, water uh, from the rock, quail, the, the meat that they would eat. Uh, They had to trust him for protection from enemies, from wild animals, and from the elements. I love this promise in Isaiah 43. Uh, And it's at the very beginning of Isaiah 43. It's verses 1 to 3. When I pass through the waters, God God says, pardon me, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And that's a promise that God will not only provide for us, He will protect us. Um, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waves roar and surge, and the mountains quake with their surging. And in that same passage later on, it says, we will not fear. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He says, be still. It's a test of our faith. And so in times like this, when you pray and you seek the face of God, see it as a test of your faith. And don't ask God for relief but ask him for courage. It's also a test of our character. Uh, Times of crisis, it brings out both the best and the worst in humanity. Um, I've got a 
you know, it, it reveals what's inside of you. And every, I think most of you know this. Uh, I've got a tube of toothpaste here. And, uh, you know, if I put pressure on it and I squeeze it, um, toothpaste comes out and it reveals what's inside. Um, it's the same thing with us. And I can't believe I actually used that illustration, uh, but I thought it really, really worked for what I wanted to say today. These times of stress and crisis bring out what's inside of you. Um, Jesus himself said, you will know a tree by its fruit. There's three responses that people have during times of crisis. Some people just look out for themselves. They're looking out for number one. Their philosophy is do no harm, and that's kind of where it ends. Unfortunately, there's also people who seek to profit on the misery and the suffering of others. Um, and, and we heard about that guy, I think it might have been in British Columbia, uh, who bought a whole bunch of um, hand sanitizer and wipes and stuff like that, and then he tried to sell them at a profit to people. Shame on him. But there are people that will do that, and it shows what's inside of them. But then there are people who find ways to show compassion. That's what God's people do. Um, not just to do no harm, but to do good to all people. And so let's be that people. So we need to see this time of testing as an opportunity for the gospel. It's an opportunity to focus on what's really important, what really matters in the church. We may be locked down, but God's word is not locked down. The Apostle Paul, when he was in a Roman prison cell, this is what he said. And this is in 2 Timothy 2, verse 9. He says, I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. I am chained, but God's word is not chained. And then in Philippians, he says the same thing. The fact that I'm chained and I'm in prison, other people have taken up the cause of preaching the gospel. And so let's not worry about self-isolating. God's word is still getting out there, even while we do our due diligence and isolate in our homes. So it's an opportunity to focus on what's really important in the church. It's also an opportunity to declare his coming kingdom, to show people where our hope truly lies. This is a time for us as a church to do what God has called us to do, to show the world how life was intended to be lived, how God wanted us to live life. Um, that article that I told you about, about the message from the European pastors, and, and they said, get ready now, North America. Uh, there's an exhortation from an Italian pastor, and I'm going to, going to quote you. He said, while the world around us is filled with fear and uncertainty, this is our opportunity to, to shine like lights in the darkness. We can be a community of people with calm hearts like the sea, a community that has listened to his voice and announces his great power and infinite love to the world. Isn't that good? That's from an Italian pastor who's been through this pandemic, and it was much worse than we've experienced here in our country. So this is not a time for us to be political. It's not a time for us to put our ultimate hope in political or even medical solutions. But this is a time for us to get on our knees. And it's a time for us to roll up our sleeves, uh, to be the church for those who really need us to be the presence of God during this time. Let's demonstrate God's love and his compassion, first of all, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, some of you will push back on that. And you're going to say, no, 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 we need to be reaching out to the world. Yes, we do. But the Bible teaches us 
and you'll find this in both the Old and New Testament, that love begins at home. It begins in the house of God. That's why I think it's in Galatians where the Apostle Paul said, do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Love begins at home. We take care of each other first. What do you read about in the book of Acts? Read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Uh, and at the end of Acts chapter 4, I think beginning at verse 32. And the, apostle, uh, the um, uh, Luke, who wrote uh, the book of Acts, uh, he tells us that there, that there was no needy persons among them because those who had much uh, brought uh, from their plenty and gave it to those who had very little. Uh, people even sold land and possessions and gave the money to the apostles so they could distribute it to the poor. And why was the revival in the book of Acts? Why was uh, the Holy Spirit so much at work? One of the reasons was because they were being the church with each other. Love begins at home, so we need to take care of each other. If you know somebody in our church that's in need, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, we need to be the church for them. But it doesn't stop with us. It needs to go to the outside world. And that's what the parable of the Good Samaritan teaches us. We need to go into the highways and the byways. We need to be out there in the world expressing God's love, demonstrating God's love to everybody, to the stranger. And the other opportunity we have is to reimagine our mission as a church. Um, People are asking questions. Is anything going to be normal again? Well, it's going to be a new normal. I think we know that. Are we going to be able to gather the way we used to, and how will our gatherings be different than they are now? Um, how important are all the events and, um, and the parties that we have, uh, the big events, are they the most important thing in the church, or do we need to rethink how we do things in the church? I'm not sure what the answer to that is. But what we do know is the church has always been adaptable. The early church began meeting in homes, and we're talking 2,000 years ago, in homes because they were kicked out of the synagogues. But what did they do? They adapted, and they found a different way of being the church. Stephen's martyrdom, you read about this in the book of Acts. Uh, he was one of the seven deacons that was chosen to uh, serve food, uh, the distribution of food to the widows of their day. And yet he also preached. And, and then he uh, kind of got a little upset with the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the chief priests and the elders, and he preached this sermon. They didn't like what he said, and they stoned him to death. He was a martyr. But it tells us in the Bible that God used Stephen's martyrdom to get the church out of Jerusalem and out into the Gentile world. And so the church once again adapted because of a difficult situation, persecution. The church adapted and they found a different way of being the church. And it got the church away from just being limited to the Jews, also to the Gentile world. And then the Apostle Paul, the same thing. When he went to the synagogues, and you read about this in the book of Acts, they didn't like his message, and so he kicked the dust from his feet. He said, from now on, I go to the Gentiles. And so we could see from the example of the early primitive church that we read about in the Bible that they saw times of suffering and adversity and trial and persecution as opportunities in disguise. So what is God asking of you and me right now during this pandemic? And I want to end with this. Let's give the governing authorities the benefit of the doubt. Let's obey them and pray for them. Unless we have really good, solid evidence that they're not giving us the best advice and the best course of action. Uh, We need to pray for the medical professionals. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 tells us that we should pray for the governing authorities. Romans chapter 13 said the governing authorities are God's servants. 
and we should obey them. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give revenue to whom revenue and give honor to whom honor. The second thing is we need to make time to practice the presence of God in our own lives. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so this is a time for us to stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the midst of trouble, let's experience his peace. So let's make time to practice his presence in our own lives because we can't do for others what God has not done for us. We need to experience it first and then take it out to the world. We need to find ways to be the church. Let's get on our knees and pray because that's something that we can do. Pray for frontline workers like Lorna Breen who took her own life. Let's take care of each other first and let's take God's presence. Let's carry his presence into a suffering world because they need to see deeds and not just hear words. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for this opportunity that we have had to gather together as your church, not in person, but through a virtual community. And Lord, in these uncertain times, we know that you've always led your people through times of uncertainty, uh, through dark times, but you've never abandoned them. You've always been with them. You've always gone ahead of them. And Father, I believe you're doing that for those of us who will call out to you. I pray, Lord, that during this time, you would help us to live responsibly, to self-isolate, whatever that might mean, to make sure that we're not bringing harm to ourselves or to others. May people see in your church, Lord, responsible citizens, people who love our neighbor so much that we would never do anything foolish or risky that would cause them harm. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be your church, to be the change that you want us to see in the world. I pray, Father, that you would help us to find ways to help the suffering to those, Lord, uh, who don't know where else to turn. May we listen to you. May we listen and heed the direction of your Holy Spirit when we're out and about in our communities, shopping in the grocery store, walking in our neighborhoods, wherever we might find ourselves, Father, we are on assignment for you. Use us, Lord God. I offer myself to you today to be available to be used by you in whatever way you choose. And so now, Father, I pray that you would bless us, your people, and use us to be a blessing to this world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.